Amen. Um, can anybody here cook? Is, he, is there any cooks in the house? I got some cooks back there. I'm talking like cook, like you can throw down. Anybody in the house can throw down. Because anybody make good barbecue by a show of hands? Who can make some good barbecue? Okay, okay. Who, who, who in here cooks on Thanksgiving? Anybody? Oh, look at all the ladies. That's what I'm talking One dude, that's what I'm talking about. Stay strong. I use, I'm in charge of the cranberry sauce on Thanksgiving. You know, it's just when you crack the jar and just slide it on the plate. Anyway, so uh, when it comes to cooking, I love it. And I love, to, I love to eat. How many of you love to eat in the room? Oh, come on now. There's nothing like some food, especially after like a long Sunday and service was long and you can go to church's chicken. Or, but there's nothing like a home-cooked meal. Can I get an amen? There's nothing like a home-cooked meal. And it's funny, when you're a kid, you don't really appreciate home-cooked meals. You want to go to McDonald's. You want to go to Burger King. You want to go to Chick-a-Fil-A. I mean, Chick-fil-A. You want to do all these different things. But when you become a man and a woman of God, there's nothing like a home-cooked meal. And I tell you what, I love America because we have nominated a holiday, which is the Super Bowl of eating, and that is on Thanksgiving. Amen? Oh, come on now. The Super Bowl of eating is on Thanksgiving. And I love to eat everything that they cook. It's the mashed potatoes, the cornbread, the sweet potatoes, the ham, the turkey, the different things that are put on. My mother puts marshmallows and brown sugar on top of my yams. Now, I don't know if y'all come from that dispensation, but you need to go ahead and join us. Brown sugar and marshmallow on lambs. I need to make a shirt. But I love the different ingredients that go into making food any day of the week, especially on Thanksgiving. And I love how I look at it and we sit down and you're about to pray and your mouth gets to watering and you're excited for this food you're about to receive. And then someone says, hold up, let's pray. And you say, okay, now in our household, we do quick prayers. Lord, bless it, amen. That's how we get down in the still house. You would think because pastor's a pastor, he'd be like, oh, Lord, Father, God, we thank you for the birds of the air and the chicken of the sea, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy and your prosperity and, and, your, and your angelic flavor that's all over the house. No, no, no. We say, Lord, bless it. Amen, okay? That's how we get down. But you'll be there. Whenever on Thanksgiving, I always have the thing I call the second holy trinity. And it's a piece of ham, and I'll put that on some yams, and I'll put that with some stuffing and eat that all at once. That is the second holy trinity. It's in the Bible. You can look it up in Galatians 25 and 7. I'm kidding. Don't put it up. It's not there. But I'm just saying, I love food. But the one thing I cannot stand about a home-cooked meal is the mess that is left at the end of it. And I'm not talking about just the mess that you made in front of you where you eat, but I'm talking about the mess that it took to prepare the food. Oh, come on. How many of y'all have some messed up kitchens on Thanksgiving? Oh, come on. You got flour all over the place, sugar all over the place, cranberry sauce on the floor. Someone made a cake and didn't finish it. There's always all types of different things going on on Thanksgiving. And it's funny, in our household, there's five of us kids, and none of us ever wanted to clean it up. And so what my parents did, what they would do every week, we would switch 
what part of the house we had to clean. So whoever had kitchen that week, we would be checking in January, calculating who would have kitchen on Thanksgiving. Not even going through the calendar. Isaac, Ira, Isaiah, Mariah, Stella, I'm safe. Isaac, Ira, Isaiah. Going down the entire calendar, and whenever it was a calendar year where you didn't have to clean up the kitchen, I'd be kicking stuff over. I'm spilling juice, I'm dropping stuff on the floor, kicking it underneath the stove. I'm doing all I can because I don't want to pick up the mess, and I'm not in charge of it this year. So whoever's in charge of it this year better pick up the cranberry sauce I just threw against the wall for no reason. But the best thing about the food is not just when you eat it. The worst thing that you can see is the mess that has been left behind from the preparation. Now, I don't know about you, but in my experiences in life, the dinners that, it, that cause the biggest mess are sometimes the best dinners you will ever eat. Amen? Oh, come on now. There's some times where I'll come home and Devin can throw down. I know she little, but she cooked like a big girl. She can throw down in the kitchen, y'all. I'm telling you right now, she can throw down. But whenever I walk into the kitchen and I don't smell or see a mess, well, I guess we're going to McDonald's tonight because someone's not cooking. Right away, I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? I don't smell anything. There's no type of mess. But the messiest ones always turn out to be the best dinners. People of God, I was sitting here today to tell you this. Even though your life is going through a mess, even though your life is going through complete chaos, you need to embrace the process and know that God is cooking up something good in your life. Oh, come on. You got to receive that on tonight. Oh, come on, look at your neighbor and say, did you catch that? Look at the other neighbor and say, did you catch that? Anytime you are going through a messy situation in your life, it is because God is up to something. God has something in the oven that is cooking, and the enemy has came here, and he's came there, and he's attacked you in different areas in your life, and he's thrown all types of spears and things at you. But God has something cooking in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, what's cooking? Look at the other one and say, what's cooking? Look behind you and say, you smell that? Oh, there's something cooking in your life. There's something cooking in your life. I don't care what is going on. I don't care what kind of hell and high water you're going through. I don't care what people are saying about you behind your back. There's something cooking in the kitchen. And God, how many of us know that we serve a crockpot type of God where it has to sit there and the seasoning has to get just right and the heat has to be right on time before you can open it up and receive what God has for you. Look at your neighbor and say, what's cooking? What is cooking in your life? The definition of process is a continuous action, operation, or a series of changes taking place in a definite matter. A continuous action, an operation. So you ask me today, what is the process? The process is our everyday life. We are going through the process of trying to be a good person, trying to be a good believer, and trying to make it into heaven. Oh, come on now, people of God. I don't know how many of y'all want those to be your goals. To be a good person, to be good spiritually, and to eventually make it into heaven. But we have to embrace the process, the steps that it takes, each day that goes by. What did you do today to embedder yourself, to make yourself a better person? What did you do today to make yourself stronger spiritually? These are the questions we have to be asking ourselves when we're going through the process. Look at your neighbor and say, embrace the process. 
Look at the other one and say, you too. You got to embrace the process. When you look at this widow in, 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 in 2 Kings, when we look at this widow, her husband had died. And back in these days, the husband was the sole breadwinner. A lot of the women stayed home and took care of the children where he was the breadwinner. And he dies. And when he dies, his credit is so jacked up. Back in the day, if your credit was so jacked, they would take your kids and put them into slavery to pay off the debt. Now, I thank God that is not the rule now because we were sitting in a house full of people. Some of y'all got some back. Y'all know your credit score. If it's a 229 and a half, you know you wouldn't have no kids right about now if we was living back in the Bible days. And they would take the children. Didn't matter how old they were, they were going to serve to pay off that debt that the father left. And so you find this widow that's at a point and she's, she doesn't know what to do. She goes to the prophet Elisha and he tells her, you need, to get, you need to take the little bit of oil that you have left. Now, oil back in this dispensation was used to cook, it was used to light your house, and it was used to heal. Oil was everything and it still is to this day and age. Oil is everything. We were in, that, we were in Iraq fighting for a long time over some oil and it's crazy how it relates and it, it relates all the way back to this time in history where oil was so much and so she has what's left and Elisha tells her to go get jars and fill all the jars up with a little bit of oil I imagine the widowed woman looking at him like what mean is this how am I going to fill up all of these other jars and I have one jar oh but how many of us know we serve a God that he doesn't think logical like us we serve a God that believes in the process and no matter what he says that we have to do we have to do it we have to embrace the process. So she embraces the process and starts feeling. So really quick tonight, what we're going to be talking about is three things. Somebody yell, three things. Three things to remember when going through the process. Three things to remember when going through the process. Number one, you will experience uncomfortable times, but we serve the comforter. Oh, I'm going to say that one more time. You will experience uncomfortable times, but we serve the comforter. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, let's turn there really quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to be reading this out the Message Bible. I call this the Youth Bible. When I talk to my youth, this is the Bible I would like to preach out of because it speaks English to the kids. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, all praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. Somebody yell comfort. Comfort, we get a full measure of that too. Is there anybody here that's been in an uncomfortable situation before? By a show of hands, anybody has been in an uncomfortable situation? Awesome. Last week, uh, my wife and I decided we're going to go to California. We ended up having a week off. We said, let's go to California for a few days, kick back, get our mind back right before we get back to church and everything. Just hang out on the beach. Amen. How many of y'all just miss the beach sometimes? Just being in the sand. Like, I feel like getting dirty. I just want to go in, in, into the sand, into the beach. And we go out there. We're having a great time. And 
this one particular night, we had shrimp and, shrimp and steak, and we went to the Cheesecake Factory for dessert, and we're having a great time, and one of our friends hits us up, and they're like, hey, we're in California too, let's go get massages. And I'm like, that sounds great. My lower back has low-key been bothering me. A massage sounds great. So our friends hit us up, and we hop in the car, and we're following them all through Anaheim. And before I know it, we're kind of in the hood. True story. I know we're in the hood because I see a gun store, and I see a liquor store right away. I'm like, this is the hood. This is where I'm from. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I see what's going on here, and we pull up into this sketchy-looking plaza, and I get out the car and I look at my boy Travis and I'm like, hey man, Trav, where, where, where's the massage place? He's like, it's right there. And I look across the plaza and there's a sign on top of the building and it says, massage. That's all it says in big red letters, massage. It doesn't say the red line massage place. It doesn't say lavenders. For some of y'all bougie folk, massage envy, you know what I'm saying? It says massage. And so right away, I'm thinking, this is sketch. And my boy's like, man, don't worry. I've been to a few places like this before. They're going to take care of us. So it's me and my wife, him and his girl. And so we're walking towards the place. As soon as we walk in, the lady's like, hello. And I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? We, we want to get massage. She goes, okay, 20 each, 45 minutes. And I'm thinking, that's a deal. $20, 45 minutes, where's my, where's my wallet? You know what I'm saying? Right away, I'm like, my lower back been bothering me, and it's all these nice Asian ladies. They're being really nice, and they're bowing, and I'm bowing back. I don't know what to do in that. I don't know if you're supposed to bow back or salute or give them a dab. I don't know. They bow. I'm bowing. We're in there, and everything's going well. The, the lady who's going to give me my massage comes up to me. She's like, Yusa, come. And I'm, I'm bowing. Let's do it, right? And so uh, she goes, do you want to be with your wife? And I'm like, yeah. Come on, babe. And she's like, a couple massages? Yes. Will you hold my hand? Absolutely not, but we can go in there, you know what I'm saying, like, together. And so we get into this room, and there's nothing but two beds that look very thin, and there's poles on the roof, and there's a curtain. No door, but a curtain. And she comes in the room, and she's like, okay, close off. And right away I'm thinking, are you going to leave first? True story, y'all. She goes, close off. And I'm thinking, like, I'm, like, low-key, like, taking it off slow. I'm, like, turning her because I don't want her to see my bosoms. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you talking about? And she goes, close off, close off. And so now I'm, like, I'm uncomfortable. Now I'm thinking, we're getting robbed, babe. Like, I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at my wife like, you going to let them rob us right now? Like, this is ridiculous. I cannot believe I am really doing this right now. And so I lay on the table, and as I lay on the table, I have my boxers on. And she walks up behind me and goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Hand to God, true story. She goes, oh, no, 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 right? And so immediately, I look at Devin. Devin looks at me like, I don't know, right? And I'm thinking, you're supposed to help, like, <laughs> and... So she comes up behind me, and I feel her behind me, and she grabs both edges of my boxers and starts wiggling it down to my ankles. Now, mind you, I don't see a blanket, a cover, a towel in sight. So I'm laid out, cheeks out, and I look at Devin like, 
And Devin's looking at me, and she's like, I don't know. And she just goes, I'm, I'm really sorry. Meanwhile, she's like naked too, but she's enjoying it, looking at me. And so I'm thinking, right away, I'm thinking, where is the towel, right? And so um, uh, I lay there, and I'm laying there, no oil, just, just nothing but me, the table, and air, okay? And I'm looking down at this little hole thinking, Lord Jesus, if this is how it's over for me, it is what it is. I fought the good fight. I kept the faith, you know. It was funny, when I, when I put my wallet, like, right in front of my face so I can keep my eyes on it the whole time, you know what I mean? And, and so she puts a towel on me. So I'm like, oh, thank God. It's nothing like being covered, amen. Come on now. I'm like, thank God. And then she, I can see, I can hear her doing some things in the background and the towel's on me. And the towel is a short towel. It's like from right here to like mid-neck, right? And, and then she comes back, towel off again. So I'm like, here we go again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> towel is off. I'm off. Now she's getting oil. <sighs> she's like making noises as she's like rubbing me. And I'm like sitting there. And the whole time I'm in this little hole so I can't see Devin. It's so bad I want to be like, help. You know what I mean? Like, get the towel. Like, I don't know what is going on, and she's rubbing, she's rubbing, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and so finally, I kind of like peep my head up, look at Devin, and Devin's just over there in ecstasy, oh yes, <laughs> this is the life, and I'm looking at her like, I am dying over here, like, and then, so, before I know it, she's caressing the cheeks, y'all, and she's elbowing, and she's opening and closing, and, and I'm sitting there like, what in the world? How am I twerking without my legs moving behind me? True story. And I can't believe it. Open and close, open and close. And I'm looking at Devin like, is the same thing happening to her and the same thing's happening? She's over there like, ah, yes, Lord. <laughs> and I can't believe what in the world is going on. So then here's, the, here's where it takes a turn for the worst, right? She flips me over. As she flips me over, I grab the towel from her. Give me that, right? I'm laying there like everything is good. So she starts rubbing my shoulders. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, we got to be coming to an end here. Like she spent a good 30 minutes on the butt. So <laughs> got to be coming to a wrap, you know. Meanwhile, the Titanic theme song is playing on repeat the entire time. Kid you not. I thought that was weird, okay. <laughs> so. She's rubbing my shoulders, and then this is the part that messes me up. She starts giving me cheek massages. And the whole time she's giving me a cheek massage, I'm thinking, she got booty juice on my... <laughs> on my cheeks, and she's getting close to my lip, and I'm like... <laughs> I cannot believe... What in the world is happening to me? So finally it's over. She leaves. Right away I'm putting on my stuff fast because I'm mad. I can't believe this. Devin, you, it's your fault. You know what I'm saying? And, and I get to walking out the place and I realize my back doesn't hurt anymore. So I say all that to say this. Just sometimes God will put us through uncomfortable situations. 
and knowing the outcome will be in your favor. Oh, come on, people of God. How many of you know that he will put you through some uncomfortable situations in your life, some what means this situations, some situations that don't make any sense at all, and then when you come out, you appreciate the feeling that you have from finally coming out of that poverty, that poverty situation, that, that generational curse, that temptation, that thing that had a hold on you. And it just takes a while to go through that uncomfortable situation and allow God to work and move in your life. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Uncomfortable. When you embrace the process, you will be uncomfortable. And know this, people of God, any time in your life where you feel like you are comfortable, that is the enemy starting to work. And you say, well, how is that? If I'm comfortable, if I'm in this perfect place, if I'm comfortable, listen, anything that's not stagnant and moving and growing is dying. And we believe that as, as believers in Christ, whether it's spiritually, financially, or mentally, we are supposed to continue to grow all the days of our life. Each day that passes, each day that we embrace the process, even in our uncomfortable state, we are to understand that we are supposed to be growing in Christ Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. So don't allow the enemy to make you feel like you're feeling uncomfortable and it's a bad thing. Understand that this is natural. Oh, come on now. A lot of y'all people in here back in the day, if you try to grow an afro or some of you ladies in here was trying to grow like a Beyonce weave in real life, you know that it is uncomfortable when you're growing out your hair. It's itchy. You're patting it. How many of y'all know of you, the patterns? And I got any patterns in the house? Oh, don't lie. Five of y'all, you're lying. Okay, anyway. You're patting it. It's itchy. Anything that is growing is uncomfortable. So understand when you're going through an uncomfortable time in your life, whether you got more bills than money, whether people are talking about you behind your back, whether you, are, you don't know how you're going to get gas in your car, whether you don't know if you're going to get laid off or you're waiting for that promotion, no matter what it is, you have to believe that you being uncomfortable is all part of the process because that means you are growing. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. So that's number one. We got to remember that. You will experience uncomfortable times, but God is our comforter. He will always come to the rescue. Number two, when going through the process, keep in mind you must be patient. Come on, somebody yell patient. Look at your neighbor and say, are you patient? That's a great question to ask somebody. And don't ask me because I am probably the most impatient person Ever. The only thing that keeps me patient in my life is knowing that I serve a God that sometimes it takes time, sometimes it takes a little longer than I want it to be, but no matter what, he's still going to come through for me, amen. He'll come through for me, he'll come through for you, and the people that come after you. Proverbs chapter 19, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart. How many of y'all have ever made plans before? You made plans for yourself before. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. A lot of people, you have to realize that your patience in the process can affect your purpose. Your patience in the process can affect your purpose. I love going to the gym. I love it. I've, I've, we've been at the same gym since like 2006, but my most favorite time at the gym is when January 1st hits. 
And the reason why is because all the revolutioners come into the house. How many revolutioners I got in the house? Do you want a revolution? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, don't lie. There's some of y'all in here that you start off the year, and I love watching the revolutioners because I know I'm going to be at this gym for 12 months. I know I'm going to be here trying to work out, trying to get stronger, trying to get, you know, a little slimmer each and every day. But I can always tell the revolutioners from the normal people, right? Why? Because they come to the gym with brand new stuff on. You give yourself away. If you come into the gym with bright lime green pants, a red shirt with the tag still on it, and a hat that says, just do it, you're a revolutioner, right? Right away, I can tell, right away. And so I would see the revolutioners coming to the gym, and when I first come into the gym in January, the gym is packed. Oh, come on, how many of y'all have ever seen this before? The gym is packed, you can't, you wait, there's a line for the treadmill. Like it's waiting for In-N-Out Burger. There's people just waiting. Okay, it's been 10 minutes. Are you done? Okay, you're done. Right? And so I would see this line and all these people on the Stairmaster, the elliptical, the treadmills. There's dudes that are trying to lift weights that have no business in the weight room. There's all kinds of stuff happening. And so there's one revolutioner I, I keyed in on because when you, when you start preaching, you start looking for a message anywhere, right? So I'm watching this one guy, and he came in like four days a week, and I'd see him all the time, and I knew he was a revolutionary because he wore that same outfit every day I saw him. So I'm praying to God he washed at least a day and a half in advance. I don't know what was going on, but I would watch him, and he was a little overweight, and he would run on that treadmill, and he'd be going hard, man. He'd be sweating, and, and you know, one day I go up to the guy after like four weeks, and this is when the revolutionaries start to fizzle off, right, around February time when Thanksgiving, I'm not Thanksgiving, I'm thinking about food, when Valentine's Day rolls around and everything like that. That's when they all disappear, right, and there's this one guy, and he's still working out. So something tells me, Go encourage him. So I'm like, how do I encourage another man at the gym? I usually just stay quiet, keep my headphones on, and don't talk to anybody. I've been at the same gym for so long. I still, the people I see, I'm like, hey, what's up? That's it. And so I'm like, how do I encourage this guy? And so as I'm walking up, I'm thinking, what should I say? What should I say? Right? And like, he's like, I don't want to be like nice glutes, bro. Like, I don't know what to say. And so he's running on the treadmill and, and he stops and he's breathing, he's breathing. And I just walk up and I'm like, hey, man. I just want to say you're doing a great job, man. There's a lot of revolutioners, and, and, and you just keep working, man. It looks, I can already see the difference. Like, I've seen the dude, like, five, six times. I can see the difference. I'm trying to help him out, right? Speaking things into existence, hey, man. That's what we call it as believers. And so I'm like, you look, you look different already, man. You look good. He looks at me. He's like, thank you, man, because I really was about to quit today. This is about to be it for me. And I go, well, look at God. And he goes, God, what church you go to? I'm like, Kingdom in the Valley. What church do you go to? And, like, we get to talking and everything like that. So then I invite him to come play basketball with us on every Friday. And this dude has been at the gym for so long. But I look at that just like how I look at us in the body of Christ. There's a lot of us that are revolutioners in our spiritual walk. As soon as you hit rock bottom, you get back in church. You start praying. You start tithing. You start getting things back together in your life. And as soon as God blesses you once, right away, back away. All those people that were in here on Easter, I love that the place was filled. Come on, how many of y'all was here at Easter? Anybody? You should have been. I hope to God. It was awesome. And, and I see all those people. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm and, and here's one thing with us, especially with me starting to become spiritually mature in the things that I'm doing. I'm looking at all these people and I'm thinking, Lord, I know a lot of them ain't coming back next week, but I thank you for this opportunity that they have right now. So I look at all these revolutionaries and they all fall off. And basically, the main point, I looked this up online, the main reason why a lot of revolutionaries don't stick to their task and staying in the gym is because they're not patient enough. They'll go to the gym for four weeks, and if they don't see results, I don't need the gym. I'm wasting my time in there anyway. And you hit the beta way. A lot of times that happens in our spiritual walk where you can get so discouraged. You can be going through so much mess, but, and, you, and you lose sight of embracing the process and understanding when it comes to embracing the process, you have to be patient. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to be patient. You got to be patient. At University of Arizona, my little brother, he's playing football up there right now. They all have shirts that say, embrace the process. My little brother has been a stud at football since he was three, four years old. I'm talking 35 touchdowns a season. He comes out here to high school, wins two state championships, nominated for player of the year. He's playing quarterback, defensive back. He's all everything. The girls love him. He's getting taller. He's got like little curly Dominican hair, you know what I'm saying, and all these little things. And, and he goes to U of A, and he's holding his helmet on the sideline on Saturdays. And he wore number seven in high school and in Pop Warner, and they give him number 41. And, 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 and he's a freshman, and he redshirts, and now he's a redshirt freshman. And he, he got moved up the second team now this, like, three weeks ago. He gets moved up the second team, which means we need one more guy to get hurt. I'm just playing. We need one more guy to mess up and go out for him to get in the game. And I go, Isaac, are you okay, man? Because I know you've always been the champion. You've always, you've always been through, uh, uh, been, been the man scoring touchdowns, being that guy. I'm like, are you okay? He goes, Zay, I'm embracing the process. And that is the same response that we all have to have in our spiritual walk. When hell and high water hits us, when strongholds come over us, when we make mistakes, when we make bad decisions, we don't need to be a revolutionary and turn our back on Christ. We need to embrace the process and be patient and know that God is making a work in our life. Look at your neighbor and say, be patient. Be patient. And number three, number three, when you're going through the process, Remember, by faith, by faith, victory is right around the corner. Oh, come on. How many of y'all in this room want to be victorious on tonight? When you're going through the process, while you're being patient, while you're going through an uncomfortable time in your life, you have to understand that victory is right around the corner. Do not be afraid to step out on faith and do something that God's been dealing with you with for a long time. If you're in this room right now and you know that God's been calling you to go back to school, I challenge you to go back to school. If you're sitting in this room right now and the Lord's been challenging you to get back into the gym and get your things right in your body, I challenge you to do that. It is time to take the step because it is 2017 and tomorrow's not promised and we don't know when Jesus is going to come back and wrap this thing up. So we have to embrace the process and when you understand Understand victory is around the corner. That's when you take advantage of embracing what is in front of you right now. I'm watching a movie the other night. I'm closing. This is it. I'm watching a movie the other night. And like I said, when you're a preacher, you look for a message in everything. I can find a message in Lion King, y'all. 
You know what I'm saying? Stay away from the scar on your life and move towards Mufasa. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> I'm kidding. But we get to this point, we're watching this movie. And it's the movie about McDonald's, about how McDonald's got started. And I'm watching the movie and these two brothers, the McDonald brothers, they are working and making things happen in San Bernardino with, in, with the first McDonald's ever. They're making it happen. People are waiting in line. People are getting out the cars. They revolutionized the food industry, start selling burgers and wrappers and in bags. People had never saw this before. God had literally give them, gave, given them a vision of something that can change the entire world and can change their bank account. Amen. He gives them this. They start to run with it. And they try to franchise out here in Phoenix, and it fails. This is back in the day. It fails. Then they try to franchise up in Sacramento, and it failed. And the McDonald brothers made the worst decision of their life. They looked at each other, and they said, you know what? This, just needs, to be, this needs to be the only one. We don't need the franchise. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, no one's doing it. Yeah, the line is outside the door, but... It only works out here in San Bernardino. So let's just make it work here. And so they stay stagnant, selling burgers out in San Bernardino. And then one day, this guy named Ray Kroc comes and visits McDonald's and says, you guys got to franchise this thing, man. I, I see something in this McDonald's, this burger thing. I see something. I'm making it spiritual. I see something. God's about to do something with these burgers. These burgers about to go all across the nation. And, and he's telling them this, and the McDonald's brothers say, no, we already tried that. Didn't work. So Ray Kroc goes back to Illinois, and he can't even sleep at night. He's thinking about this McDonald's deal, and he drives back to California. He's like, listen, let me be a part owner. Let me help you guys with this. Let's franchise this thing. Reluctantly, they do it. Before you know it, Ray Kroc has 50 McDonald's all across America at this point in time. And the San Bernardino brothers are so angry at the fact that the little things like turning from, from they went from back in the day in McDonald's, they, they sold milkshakes. And Ray Kroc decided, no, we're going to go ahead and use an actual like powder that tastes just like a shake to save us some money. And the McDonald's brothers are so uh, religious, if you will. And they don't want to move. They don't want anything to change. They don't like not having control. And finally, Ray Kroc comes to them. He goes, listen, guys. I will give you $2.7 million to walk away from McDonald's. And they signed the contract. In 2014, McDonald's made 200, I'm sorry, in, in 2014, McDonald's made $27 billion. 1% of that. You look at that, $27 billion. Dollars and they signed for 2.7 million. And that right there should show you what kind of person are you? Are you a person that when you get comfortable in a place, you don't need to move? You don't need to step out. You don't need to go ahead and make a, a, a risk and go out there and try to put your name out there and make things bigger than they already are. Or are you like a Ray Kroc? Someone who believes in our God. Someone who has faith and knows, even though it failed, victory is around the corner. Oh, come on. If you believe that, hop on your feet tonight. Hop on your feet tonight. So my question to you is which 
person are you? Are you going to stay stagnant because you're happy and you're comfortable? Or are you willing to take a step, embrace the process, understand you're going to be uncomfortable, understand that you have to be patient, and understand that victory is around the corner. With that being said, everybody bow your heads, close your eyes around the room. If you're in this room right now and you say, you know what, I have never given my life to Jesus I've never done it before. And I think tonight is the night. I want to give my life to him for the very first time. If you feel that tug on your heart tonight, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air. Is anybody here? You say for the very first time. I see your hand. I see your hand. Hallelujah. I see your hand. We'll say, you know what? I've given my life to Jesus before, but I've fallen away and I stopped embracing the process. I've messed up. I've made some bad decisions. I don't even belong in this church right now. I'm here to tell you this, that God's grace and mercy, it endures forever. 